the street that he was the one who created the universe. He was the, the, the one who spoke the galaxies into being, that he was God himself incarnate here on the earth. For nearly 30 years, no one knew. But that all changed one day at a wedding in Canaan. He showed up. They had run out of wine. And so he turns water into wine. And the miraculous ministry of Jesus begins. And he just didn't turn a little bit of water into vine. He took all of the huge pitchers that were, that were full of water and made approximately 700 bottles of wine for that wedding. And it wasn't just any old wine, it was the best wine. And the reason is, is because Jesus saves the best for last. There's 34 miracles, distinct miracles, recorded in the Gospels where Jesus' power is on display, and when his followers with him, they saw these miracles. And when you follow Jesus, you'll find yourself in the middle of miracles, and that's a wonderful thing, because everybody wants a miracle, right? Who doesn't want a miracle? There's a catch, though. You have to be in a circumstance that requires a miracle. So you have to have some kind of problem, but, and, and they, they kind of go hand in hand. You kind of have to need a miracle to get a miracle, but the problem is none of us want to need a miracle, right? I mean, we really don't want a problem. We don't, we don't want any trouble. We don't want to run out of wine at the wedding. We don't want to be blind or lame or broken. We don't want to be dead. But yet, in order for a resurrection to happen, something has to die. And so the bigger your problem, the greater your miracle. And I believe that today because he is the God that can make your impossible possible. I'll never forget one of the first movies I ever saw in a theater on a big screen. It was in the late 70s in the Des Plaines Theater, back when they showed the big movies. And I, I remember as a, a, a little guy going to that, and I got to see Superman starring Christopher Reeve. That was like a big deal as a little guy. And Superman's flying through the air on the big screen. I'm like, wow, this is like the best movie ever. And, and if you remember the climax of the movie, there's an earthquake. And the ground opens up and Lois Lane's car, her, her car goes into the, the crevice and she dies, but Superman can't save her because he's over at Hoover Dam that's exploded and it's flooding everywhere and he's got these boulders and he's trying to put the dam back together. And he finds out that his, the love of his life, Lois Lane, has died. And you remember how emotional he gets in the movie and how angry he gets in the movie. And he starts flying at supersonic speeds around the world. And all of a sudden the world slows down and it starts going in the other direction and somehow starts reversing time until he can go there and he can save it. He turns back time so he can go back and save Lois Lane. And everybody cheers, yeah, Superman. And we think, wouldn't that be awesome if we could turn back time? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, just think about it. You know, you got that thing comes out of your mouth that you said, you're like, ooh, let's return. <laughs> let's return. That thing you do, like, no, I don't, no, let's turn back time. The problem is the arrow of time is pointed in one direction. That's forward. What's done is done, and some things are unreversible. You can't unbake cookies. You can't uncut hair. 
You can't undelete a document. You can't unrun the red light. And those are a few things that maybe we can laugh off or be a little embarrassed about. But there's other irreversible moments that leave a hole so big in your heart. Those moments that you're standing at the foot of a casket. The day that your divorce papers come. The day the lab results come back and they confirm your worst fear. The frantic phone call in the middle of the night with news that you didn't want to hear about your kid and then all of a sudden it feels like life is over. And you would do anything to reverse time, but you can't. It's, it's over, but it's not over until God says it's over. And the reason is, is because on the day that he walked out of that tomb, the word impossible got erased from our vocabulary. And he is alive. And he can do all things. And he wants us to know that. And so he saved his best miracle for last. If you have your Bibles, you can open to John chapter 11. It's okay, it'll be on the screen as well. It's a story of the raising of Lazarus. It's actually quite a long story. We won't look at it all today, but just a couple verses because we've got to move quickly here. But uh, it's a story of raising of Lazarus. Jesus is told that his good friend Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, has passed away. And come, Jesus, he's sick. You need to come. Come and heal him. But Jesus doesn't come. In fact, he waits. He waits so long that by the time he does arrive, he's been dead for four days. So who knows how long he took to get there, but he waits. How many of you, if you had a friend who was dying and said, I need you, please come, and you knew you could save them, wouldn't you rush there by his side immediately? But Jesus waits. In fact, he tells everybody, it's good I'm not going. It's good that you're waiting for me to come. He didn't want to go earlier. He wanted to wait a little longer so he could reveal a little more of his power, so he could reveal his resurrection power. And so Martha, when he finally shows up and he's been in the grave, Martha comes up with tears and anger and all the emotions that she's feeling because her brother has died. She says, if you just would have been here. And through her tears, she's pleading with Jesus, if you just would have been here, he would have lived. And, and Jesus stops her. And in some of the most powerful words in all of the Gospels, he says this, the words in red, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the unique claim that Jesus makes. This is the claim of Christianity where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. Christianity is not a philosophy. It is not based on a code of ethics. It is based on a person who was who he said he was, who rose from the dead and could raise his friends from the dead. If the resurrection did not happen, then what we believe is all in vain. We're worshiping a hoax. We're wasting our lives. But Jesus walked out of the grave. And if you believe that, then all bets are off. Or I should say, all bets are on Jesus. Because He rose from the dead. 
And that means something. And so I'm going to have you watch a, a video from uh, uh, Bono, from the band U2, and what he says. He was recently asked in, a, in an interview about Jesus. And I want to watch, have you watch what he says. And then I want to talk to you just a little bit more before you answer a question for me. I look to the scriptures for poetic truth, um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And of course, there was a history historical Jesus. No, I'm talking about God. Oh, right. And, and do well, you, I see. And, I, the, per, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming through. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. It's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended, and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something. Um, illness so, or so, so whatever. So then, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher. or a, you know, Because actually, he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God, or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think, therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I have no problem with miracles. <laughs> living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. Amen. He's, uh, He's even more direct in other interviews that he does, and in, including a recent one in Rolling Stone, if you want to look it up online. But what he's saying there is, is so true. People have no problem accepting Jesus as a, a wise teacher or a compassionate healer or this religious prophet. They're, oh, sure, he could be that, but it, it's, it's not that simple. C.S. Lewis develops this much further, and, and, and Jesus made some claims about himself. And so you got one of three choices. Either he's a liar, but lies are always exposed, or he's a lunatic, like he said. He's crazy, which I find that really hard to believe, or 
He is who He says He is. He's Lord. That's a decision we all have to make. There's really, there is no middle ground on this one. He is either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. So which is it? And this decision you make will determine your entire destiny. Let's go back to our story where Jesus is with Martha and He is telling her that He's the resurrection and the life. But I just want you to pause on that for just a moment and remember what Martha has seen the last couple weeks of her life. She's watched her brother, who she loves, get sick. And get more sick and more sick until he's finally dead. And he's been in the grave for, for I mean, four days now. It even says in the Bible that his body was stinking. I mean, it, it was rotting. He's been dead for four days. That's her reality. And that's when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he asks her this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I know your brother's in the grave, but do you believe this? And her profession of faith is simple. She says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. One little yes can change everything. One little yes can change eternity. God is looking for that one little yes. It is the litmus test of all of history. It is God's final exam. Do you believe this? It is not multiple choice. It is not an essay. It is true or false. Do you believe this? And that one little yes changes everything. The thing about God's tests is they're easy because they're open book tests. You can look right in the book and see what the answer is. And so it, it tells us in Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You, you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. Do you believe this? And all you have to do is say yes. Jesus is the resurrection and life. This is, this is the witness of the church. This is the axis in which everything we believe rotates around. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it changed everything. It changed history. It changed reality. And so the resurrection isn't something that we celebrate, you know, you know, one Sunday a year we dress up and we go to church. It's something that we should celebrate every day because His resurrection power isn't just for then. God still raises lives today. He raises hopes and dreams and relationships and whatever the enemy has stolen from you, whatever sin has broken inside of you, Whatever the devil himself has done to you, Jesus can give you your life back because he's in the resurrection business. And even though the hands of time only go forward, he works everything together for your good. Resurrections, there's something about them. They're always late. Jesus didn't seem like he was on time for Lazarus, he was late. 
So resurrections in your life, they're always going to be late, but let me tell you this, they're always going to be beautiful. And you'll, you're going to get a smile that just won't stop. I love um, pictures of baptismal services because there's so many smiles in those pictures. And we have a baptismal service coming up in, in a few weeks, and, and uh, I don't know what it is about baptismal services. They are the best services ever. I mean, there's just joy and and this excitement, because people are saying, I'm, I'm following Jesus, and, and we're kind of reenacting, if you think about it, you know, going under the water, Jesus died and was buried, and they come up out of the water, raised in newness of life as Jesus rose from the dead, and there's these cheering, and, and I remember when I was baptized, just how exciting that was, and it's like, yes, you know, I can take on the world, God is with me, I have his victory, and just, just have that excitement, because the new life in Christ that we have, it really does matter. That yes changes everything. This week at the Ascension Convention, I was, I was heading down the, the hallway of the lobby, and, and uh, those that were there kind of know how the lobby sits uh, right by the, the big ballroom where all the kids are. And I was pretty busy going somewhere, and I saw a grandma from a church that I've known for years. And I knew her church, I kind of knew her situation, and she's there with with tears in her eyes and, and, um, and, and just looking very emotional and overwhelmed. And, and you have that split-second decision, do I keep going to what I need to be doing, or is this kind of a moment that, that you pause and you stop and you just realize it's a God moment and I'm just like, and, and uh, so you lock eyes and, and it's like, okay, well this, you know, move toward her. And as soon as I go toward her, she puts her hands out and grabs my hands. I kind of knew her story a little bit. I didn't know all of it. And, and uh, she began to tell me uh, how her, her daughter uh, died in a, in a horrible, tragic accident. And through a variety of circumstances, she was raising her uh, teenage granddaughter in her home. But her teenage granddaughter had a disease that at 14 years old took her life. And so the grief that this woman has, I mean, if you can imagine a grandma that's gone through the loss of her child and her grandchild, and now what does she do with her life? She serves the youth group, a grandma serving a youth group in a church as a leader. And, I, and then immediately I thought, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just too much for her. She's overwhelmed. And then she goes on to tell me that as she was in the ballroom, a, a little girl, a little young teenage girl ran right past her, and, and it looked just like her granddaughter. And she just had to step out, and she was crying. And, and, uh, and, and, and so I'm, I'm assuming that's what this, all this emotion is about, and so I'm going to go into pastor mode now and say, oh, I'm so sorry, and, you know, let's pray. And, and, and she stops me before I can say anything, and she goes, you know, that was the best. Because it reminded me that I'll see my granddaughter again. Here I thought this was a time of mourning, uh, the loss that she had. No, when she saw her run by, she thought to herself, I'm going to see my granddaughter again. There will be a day, and she won't run by me this time. She'll run into my arms. One little yes changes everything. When Jesus died on the cross, the devil might have giggled, but Jesus got the last laugh. And I want to tell you, he always gets the last laugh. I mean, he always saves the best for last. And if you give him a chance, he'll give you a second chance. And that's really all that you need. Not only will he give you your smile back, 
he will give you your life back. One little yes changes everything. So my question today is Jesus' question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Your answer to the question can make the impossible possible. That one little yes can change everything. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? We're going to take a moment to pray here at the end of our time together because this is where you respond. This is the true or false answer that you'll give, the yes or no. And I want to tell you that that God loves you so much. He has you here for a reason, for a purpose. And one little yes can change everything. Sometimes we find ourselves far from God and and we wonder how we got there and, and Maybe we haven't even thought much about God until today or what, whatever the story is for your life. You, you just sense that distance from God. And, and the reason for that distance is sin in our lives. I'm not saying we don't try to be good or try to be loving or, or all of those things. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we do, but the reality is, is we, we've all made mistakes and we've all and done the opposite of what we knew we should have done. And, and we've, just, we've just gone our own way. And, and, and see, in order to be close to God, you've got to be 100% good. Because he's 100% good. But there's no one, absolutely no one, other than Jesus, there's no one that's ever been 100% good. But today, if you say yes to God, you can be 100% forgiven. That all of your sins will be washed away. God loved you so much that He didn't want to just keep you at a distance. He wanted you close. And so Jesus came and He died on a cross for your sins. And you can be forgiven of your sins. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, He promised you abundant life in Him. Not just abundant life in this life, but eternal life. And so today I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And today is the day to say yes to God. No more running, no more fighting, no more trying to do it on your own. It's time to turn and say yes to the Lord. Would you repeat these words after me and make it your prayer? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I just thank you for everyone that is here. Lord, we are not here by accident. We are here on Easter Sunday morning to celebrate you, to to remember you, to have your life a part of our life. And so, Lord, today, for those that said yes to you, 
God, I pray that you would change everything in their life. Lord, all of our bets are on you. All of our hopes are on you. God, I thank you that we can put our trust in you. And God, I thank you that you give us a smile because of the resurrection. Not because life is easy and everything's okay, but because, God, you are with us and you will never let us go. And you will give us the strength for today and all fear is gone. God, thank you that we can love you and serve you all the days of our life. But Lord, there's a life to come where we will see you face to face, where we will see those that have gone before us. And there'll be no more tears and no more mourning but rejoicing and joy together in your presence forever. Lord, we thank you, God, for the power of the resurrection. May it be on display in all of our lives, day after day, as we say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.